As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is Tuesday, May 31st. I am Zach Buchanan, filling in for Derek Van Riper here with Al Melchior. And I have to admit up front, Al, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to be faking it until I'm making it the whole way through this. Uh, I cover the minor leagues for the Athletic, um, but I've only been doing that a couple months. So uh, really kind of testing the depth of my knowledge as we go through this prospect show here today. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have you here, Zach. Uh, the, the columns are fantastic that you've been you've been writing, uh, you along with uh, Maria Torres, and uh, yeah. So the, it's, it's a prospect Tuesday, so I feel like it's a, it's a great day for you to be here, and uh, you know, looking forward to doing what we do here normally, talking about the the latest prospect news and doing a uh, level roundup. We're going to talk about Double A players today, and um, anyways, no further delay here. Uh, I'm ready when you are. So we, we've had a number of debuts, and I take it in this part of the show, we kind of figure out like who's worth picking up in your league if you haven't already. Um, obviously, Michael Harris is probably the highest profile one. You know, he's a top 100 prospect. He's uh, the guy Braves fans have been excited about for a while. He's raking at Double A, um, and uh, you know, I was very surprised when I was reading up on on the Braves situation that Adam Duvall had been playing a lot of center field. Um, I covered Duvall when he was with the Reds way back in the day, and he, you know, he was really good at left field. But left field, the Great American, Great American Ballpark, is like easy for anybody to play. Adam Dunn played there, um, <laughs> and so it was really surprising. So it, it would seem to me right that there's just like a lot of opportunity for a guy like Michael Harris to get at bats, especially since a lot of their outfielders have not been producing. Yeah, it would definitely seem so. And uh, so far, since he's been called up. Uh, the Braves have only faced right-handed starters, so it's still a little bit hard to tell what his playing time is going to be against lefties. But even if it's that worst-case scenario of Harris having a a large side large side platoon role, uh, that's that's pretty exciting, uh, given what he's he's done in the minors. Uh, Three hundred five average at Double A Mississippi, good power speed combination with five homers, uh, eleven steals, and the sort of player I think because he does have that across the board uh, kind of appeal that unlike a lot of the players that we will be talking about here, 
he's one that certainly, if he's all, if he's still available in your twelve team leagues, he uh, he's certainly fair game to to pick up. And unfortunately, this call up came right after we did do our Friday waiver show, so we didn't really get to talk about his his fantasy appeal at that point. But he is still out there in, in some twelve team leagues, and and uh, it's not too shallow, I think, to be rostering Harris. Yeah, I feel like from covering the league for a while, when a guy gets called up from double A, especially a high profile guy like that, you kind of have to be on guard that, you know, he might not be there to stay. Right. But I, I, when I was looking around the, how the Braves have done this year, obviously they're in win now mode. Um, so if he's going to perform, I'm sure they'll keep him around. And it, it, they just really haven't got any production out of the outfield. Um, and so it seems like there's just a lot of runway for him. Right. Um, another guy called up to a team that's not getting a lot of production at the positions he plays, Josh Smith in Texas. He came up yesterday, kind of got overshadowed by Eli White and that amazing catch he made to rob a home run. But what do you got on Josh Smith? Well, you know, maybe that plays to our advantage because, yeah, I think Smith did get a little bit overshadowed by that, that big game that Eli White had. Uh, but I think that uh, the, the playing time, you know, certainly that's a, a concern that you might have. But uh, I think that the opportunity is there. Uh, he is on the roster because Brad Miller went on the IL with the hip injury. And I could very easily see Miller coming back and maybe seeing a little bit less playing time than he has been seeing for the Rangers so far this year. So, um, you know, with that said, anytime you have a prospect getting called up, we've, we've seen the whole range, you know, this year, we, last year we saw where players can really have a rough adjustment. You know, but I think if Smith is one of those prospects that does hit the ground running, and it certainly looks that way, uh, you know, like you said, he had a a really big game uh, on Monday night. Uh, You know, if he can keep that going, then I think there's there's definitely an opportunity for Smith to continue uh, playing and uh, coming up from AAA. So, you know, again, you don't have those concerns that you have with Michael Harris about, well, is he maybe being rushed up a little too quickly uh, and also giving you a power speed combination. So I think maybe not quite as broad of an appeal as Harris fantasy wise. I wouldn't really be going after Josh Smith in a um, in a 12 team league. Yeah, I mean, Josh Smith is a completely different caliber of prospect than Michael Harris. Right. But um, I mean, the Rangers are kind of in a weird spot. Like, are, I know they spent all this money. Are they trying to compete in the West? I know they've played better as of late. Um, it, to me, if Brad Miller comes back and you think he's like your best person at the position and you are trying to compete, you maybe go that direction. But if you're kind of looking at this year as a, um, okay, we're kind of taking a step forward kind of year and then and contend in 2023, um, I'm not sure that Brad Miller is the guy that I – you know, plant in the way of an intriguing prospect. It might be more valuable to, to see what Josh Smith can do if it, if it comes down to the two of them. Uh, now, Nick Plummer with the Mets, not really a prospect anymore, former first round pick, um, but uh, very exciting what he's done. Uh, his first couple games, back to back home runs, or home runs and back to back games, I should say. Um, but he's kind of, uh, who knows what he is, by the way. And then we're kind of waiting to see what happens with Brandon Nimmo's wrist to really figure out what to do with him, right? Yeah, I think if Plummer hadn't had those uh, back-to-back games with home runs, that this might be just more of a really quick conversation of, yep, Plummer's up, but he's just uh, filling an outfield slot while Nimmo's out. But Nimmo should be back. He could be back, in fact, uh, here on Tuesday. Uh, certainly isn't expected to be out long. So this could be just... Uh, um, you know, essentially one and done for Plummer, but uh, not necessarily. Yorme's playing really well. Uh, obviously, 
Mazika is a, a catcher. You got to have a backup catcher, especially um, with their main catcher out for so long. Um, it, it it just doesn't seem like the roster math makes sense if Nimmo is healthy. Um, it you know maybe be one thing like you said if if Nick Plummer was you know three years younger and uh, had been performing like a top prospect the whole way, but it's not. He's like a post prospect now. And maybe he's he's a major leaguer or a, a bench bat for somebody, but it, the Mets are pretty stacked. <laughs> I'm not sure they they really need to be leaning on a guy with that kind of profile. Yeah. Um, Oscar Gonzalez, he's a guy I'd never heard of before, um, and only to learn that he was the Cleveland's top international signing in 2014, which seems like a very long time ago. And then he just kind of fell off prospects list the last couple of years, and now he's in the big leagues playing the outfield for the guardians where uh, famously they have struggled to find people to play the outfield. Yeah. So that's an ideal situation for, for Gonzalez and uh, putting up nice, nice numbers uh, in the upper minors. So he has definitely gone a little bit, a little bit under the radar. And I understand that's a different show uh, on this podcast, but uh, I think that the, the, it fits here. So there's an opportunity here for Gonzalez to, to see some playing time he's hitting so far. I mean, there's, really not been any power to speak of. It's just been four games, but hitting hitting for average and in AAA this year, really making a lot of contact, just a 14.3% strikeout rate. Now, that also comes with a walk rate that's under 4%, which is exactly what he had in 2021 at the AAA level. So, I mean, this is somebody who very consistently is profiled as not having a lot of plate discipline, but he has brought that strikeout rate down. Maybe there's a little bit of pop there that can translate from AAA to the major leagues and uh, you know, Zach, as you highlighted, I mean, there is a playing time opportunity here. So that alone makes Gonzalez somebody that's got to be rostered in deeper, deeper formats. And I'm also talking about mixed leagues here too. So not just AL only, but 14, 15 team, maybe not 14. I think 14 sort of the borderline, but definitely should be, be rostered in 15 team leagues. Yeah. I, w- I would guess with how the guardians have started the year, um, there's no reason not to play a guy like this. If figure out what he can do, um, and I'm sure in a fancy contact context that's helpful. Like uh, I, I only I only, uh, I only play fancy football, but I imagine for especially in baseball, it's it's helpful to have kind of like predictability of who's going to be playing when, and not have to be guessing. And uh, rebuilding teams offer a lot of predictability when they don't have a lot of good players, so they just got to give give that that run to the young guys. Um, although I would also imagine this isn't going to happen anytime soon, I don't think. But George Valera is their top outfield prospect in the minors. He's in Double A and he's starting to come on. Uh, and he reached Double A at the end of last year, so maybe he gets up to Triple A at some point this year. Uh, you know, one of those outfield spots is waiting for him, and he's a much more high priority guy than Oscar and Gonzalez. So that's just something to think about long term. But uh, that's not going to happen in the next several months, I wouldn't think. Um, Cody Clemens, uh, these are a lot of situations we've talked about so far, except for maybe Nick Plummer with the Mets, where, uh, a, a guy has been hitting well at AAA. He's a prospect. He comes up into a situation where no one's really producing and, uh, the team is kind of disappointing. So why not bring him up and see what he can do? And that seems like the case for Cody Clemens. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how much uh, we're going to see actually from, from Clemens because he got called up on Monday, didn't play Monday, uh, is not in the lineup on Tuesday. So I think he's ma- supposed to start the second game of a doubleheader. Okay, well then that, that would make sense. That would make, yeah, absolutely make sense. So we get our fr- first look in the major leagues of Cody Clemens then. Still, that's one out of the first three games for him. 
and he's uh, filling a spot, a roster spot, while Robbie Grossman is out. So, yeah, I'm not. It's not that uh, you, you look at the Tigers' outfield and you see just you know absolutely unmovable obstacles there. I mean, they've been pretty much rolling out consistently uh, an outfield of Daz Cameron, Derek Hill, and, and Willie Castro. Uh, so I, I guess this week, you know, you watch the playing time. Uh, maybe there's some ale only. Uh, some ale only appeal there. I really sort of hesitate to go beyond that because it's not like Clemens is really a top prospect. And I think if not for, you know, the, the last name, <laughs> maybe we would pay even less attention to him. But uh, then again, he's in an organization on a team where there could be opportunity, not big obstacles, like I, I was saying. So I think you watch the playing time and you go from there. Yeah, I think it, from what I've read, he's kind of limited to the right side of the field. He's, you know, he's played second, first and, and right field, I think. And maybe right field's where that opportunity is. He came up with second baseman, but and, and Jonathan Scope has not been playing well, but they just gave him $7.5 million this offseason. So uh, I'm not sure we're at the point yet where you kind of decide, okay, the Jonathan Scope era is over and we're going to play Cody Clements. And like you said, he's kind of a mid-tier prospect. So he, he's, he's not someone that you know the Tigers have been banking on for a long time. He's not Spencer Torkelson. Um, so yeah, it, it's it'll be interesting to see how much play he gets, right? Um, just because th- there there does seem to be some opportunity, but uh, only to kind of fit certain parts of his profile. You know, maybe only in right field. Um, and then JP Sears made a start in a, in a doubleheader. Doubleheader is creating all sorts of opportunities for guys this year. All these doubleheaders, but he he comes up. He he pitches well for the Yankees in a doubleheader. Um, he's uh, got great numbers at AAA. But uh, it seems like the Yankees' rotation is pretty full. So, what, what do you expect out of him? <laughs> I mean, it's obviously it's very full, but also not not that much depth. So, I think especially with Luis Hill out, that there's maybe an opportunity for spot starts down the road. Uh, maybe as an injury replacement, should there be a a need for that? Like you said, really great numbers at AAA so far this year. But um, he's 26 years old, just like Clemens. So. Uh, you do have to take, I think, those minor league numbers uh, the last couple of years at AAA and also AA with a little bit of a grain of salt. But yeah, it certainly backed it up in a, a really impressive first start in the major leagues. Uh, he's made three appearances so far, a couple in relief. So I, at this point, I think he's more of a an ale only stash and not like a must must stash, uh, you know, or, or must roster. But if, if you you know if you got an extra spot. Uh, pitching is always hard to find in, in those AL only leagues. And maybe there's going to be other opportunities down the road. Now, in the next guy on our list has had a similar opportunity, pitched some doubleheader, Ethan Small. Found it kind of interesting, though, they sent him down right after. And despite having kind of an open spot, now Brandon Woodruff is hurt. He's got an ankle sprain. He's on the IL. Uh, Freddie Peralta is also on the IL. He's expected to be out for a while. Um, and they call Small up. He pitches. They send him down. So he's got to be down for. 15 days at least, unless there's another injury. So that would seem to suggest that to fill their rotation spot, the Brewers are going to be going to someone else, right? I would seem, uh, you know, we've seen this before with teams where they, you know, they'll make moves, um, you know, they'll make some sort of move to, to get a player back up. But yeah, it would seem to me that probably they'll, they'll go with somebody else. I'm not quite sure, uh, you know, who that might be. And I'm actually, I'm looking at, um, uh, roster resource because that's you know sometimes they just have kind of placeholder players there. Uh, they've got Josh Lindblom listed, so um, you know I don't know if that's you know really reality or not. But um, we could see Small you know back up at some point. I think even if it's not necessarily for the next turn, and 
Got some good numbers this year. So I think you just monitor that situation. Yeah. And then uh, another guy getting a start in doubleheader, I believe, Matt Swarmer. Um, I don't think he appears on any top prospect list for the Cubs. Is the guy I've never heard of. And I know for Cubs fans, they just know that he's not Caleb Killian, which is who they want in the major leagues. But he pitched pretty well. And, you know, Drew Smiley might be hurt. So, you know, he kind of put two and two together there a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah and I'm sure, yeah, we would all like to see Killian up and Swarmers, 28-year-olders, 28-year-old. So, um, yeah, this is definitely a player that I was not aware of. Uh, but, yeah, just a terrific, uh, terrific debut for him against the Brewers in that doubleheader. And uh, at uh, AAA so far this year, 2.08 uh, ERA, uh, some some nice ratios, tw- uh, 42 strikeouts and 39 innings. So, you know, not like overwhelming strikeout rate, but, uh, you know, I know this is getting sort of boring saying this about a lot of these players, but uh, again, you monitor uh, the, his status, monitor the situation because he could be very useful in an NL-only league. You know, any one of those formats where, you just it, it's really good to have a pitcher who's getting some innings and and could be uh, could be competent. So uh, I think that's at this point where Swarmer's appeal is at really with this at, at the with the ceiling. So I, I got a question for you. He's gotten a different a little bit than J.P. Sears and Ethan Small, who are kind of more known quantities. You know, Ethan's kind of a prospect. J.P. Sears is is you know I think he's a. Uh, like at the back end of the Yankees list, but he's, he's done enough now maybe to, to have some predictability. But when a guy is completely off the radar, like Matt Swarmer, he makes one good start and there's still some uncertainty, whether he's still in the rotation, just how do you approach that? Uh, from a fancy perspective, I, I think pretty much as I was saying, like, I, I think he's the sort of player and I've done this in my AL and only leagues where you just, you, you take a flyer, you put the $1 or maybe $2 bid out, for the player, you know, maybe you go to if you just you really need to fill that vacant slot because in super deep leagues like that, it's just it's fairly common to have a, a vacant slot that you need to fill and just hope that it works out because I tend to think that whenever Swarmer's next start might be, it probably isn't going to go as well given the the minor league track record. But you never know. So I think in leagues where you don't have a lot to lose, you t- you take that very low cost, low low risk gamble. Um, and, uh, I don't really see any point in taking any, any action beyond that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And then, all right, so let's update a couple injuries. We got some guys coming back, some very high-profile guys coming back. So Shane Baz threw four scoreless innings and a rehab start with Triple A Durham. He's coming off of a elbow surgery, not like a, a not Tommy John. He had some loose bodies removed, 
but uh, he's one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. He's eligible to come off the 60-day injured list on June 6th, which would be a convenient six days from uh, his last start. Um, and so that, you know, I'm sure I would be surprised if there are people out there with fancy teams that didn't have Shane Baz on their team. I don't know why you just let a guy like that go, but um, are you just hoping, praying that the next one's in the majors? Yeah, and I, it sounds like there's a good chance of him. Mean, he's performed really well in these rehab stints. Uh, like you said, that uh, return date is coming up at a very uh, convenient time to dovetail with, uh, you know, what would be approximating a normal amount of rest for Baz. So, I, yeah, I think, uh, you know, get him ready. I mean, he's he's widely rostered. So uh, I would say he's possibly still out there in some 12 teamers, could definitely be out there in some 10 team leagues. And this is a this is an impact pitcher. This is somebody who even though he may get ramped up a little bit at the beginning, won't necessarily go as deep uh, again, just going four innings in his last start, but um, maybe a little bit shy on innings for the first couple of starts, maybe not going to be in top form right away, but within short order, he could be an, a really big time impact pitcher and he belongs in 10 team leagues. He belongs in it definitely belongs in 12 team leagues. So if you're in those uh, types of formats, you absolutely have to go check and see if Boss is available because he's one of those players that is worth the the double digit percentage fab uh, expenditure this coming weekend if he does happen to be out there because it's one of the few pitchers you know I know we're going to talk maybe a little bit about Grayson Rodriguez later I mean there's a handful of pitchers out there that could really make a huge contribution uh, who might still be out there and, and Boss is certainly one of them. So how do you weigh just the obviously. You mentioned his innings. He's pitched four innings as, as far as he stretched out. The the Rays also have a reputation for not really pushing guys too yeah. long. I, I don't get the sense that they're so dogmatic about that, that if they have like a true stud like Shane Boz is, that, oh, okay, this guy's you're, you're going to face the order two times through and that's it. Um, you know, I think they make exceptions for exceptional pitchers. But how, how does that factor in kind of your calculus? Just a little bit. I mean, if it were somebody, well, I'll, I'll use an example actually of a, a pitcher who's already in the rotation, uh, and that's Drew Rasmussen. And when he was more in the kind of swing role, uh, as, as much as I like the the skill profile, that was something I really worried about him. It's something I still worry about a little bit with Ryan Yarbrough. And uh, so with somebody, like you said, who's exceptional, like Shane Boz. I don't worry about it as much because even if he's just giving me five innings, they could be five innings with eight strikeouts. <laughs> so uh, I, I really discount that concern a lot with a, a pitcher of his caliber. And then uh, another very highly ranked prospect, Riley Green, um, is uh, activated from uh, the injured list, coming back from a foot fracture. Um, he is in AAA Toledo with the Tigers. Um he has never appeared in the major leagues yet. Um, unlike Boz, Boz came up last year. Um, but as we talked about it before with Cody Clemens, there's some opportunity out there. Um, but I, I, but you probably figure right that the, the Tigers kind of want to greens play like three minor league games this season as he's come back. Mm -hmm. They want to get his footing underneath him before they, they bring him up. Right. I would think so. How much I really don't know. I mean, I, I've I've heard other analysts talk about how he's he could really be on the verge of coming up. That's that's entirely possible. I think maybe a some somewhat of an analogy would be uh, when Adley Rutschman came off of his IL assignment and just was was playing for AAA Norfolk, and it was it was a few weeks for him. It also maybe took him a little bit longer to get going 
than a lot of us were expecting at the AAA level. But once he was locked in, Orioles called him up. So could be a similar situation with Riley Green. I would be very surprised if he wasn't on the Tigers roster by like late June. And it very much, very easily could be you know, quite a bit sooner than that. So he's somebody that you definitely would need to stash right now. I do have a bit of a concern about batting average with Green because while his strikeout rates in the minors are not exorbitant, they're high enough that you figure, again, looking at Major League Pitching for the first time, those rates that were in the mid to upper 20s in the minors could be in the lower to mid 30s in the majors, and that could be a real drain on on batting average. But anytime you get a player with the potential to get a lot of playing time and offer both power and speed, that's that's somebody that you are looking at it in 12-team leagues and, and deeper. Yeah, I, I would guess like if you're the Tigers and they've, I know they expect it to be better, but they weren't ever going to be like contending, right? But uh, assuming you, you don't want to put Riley Green in a position to fail and like bring him up when he doesn't have his rhythm and he's just going to get eaten alive by major league pitching because that's going to, you know, it's going to do nobody any good. He's, you're just going to have to send him back down. But if you give him a couple weeks to get his rhythm, why not have him in the majors? If he's considered a major league ready player, what else you got going on in the outfield in Detroit? Not much. So get him up there. Um, and then a milestone. This is a guy I know decently well as a former Diamondbacks reporter. Dominic Fletcher, uh, his hit streak ends at 30 games. Now, I, I wrote about this in today's minor league notebook. Technically, 30 starts. He had one pinch hit, appearance in a, pinch hit appearance in a game that he didn't start, and he did not get on base. Um, but that's an incredible run. And Hit streaks can be kind of fluky sometimes. All it takes is one every day to get get there. You know, you could bat 250 or even 200 if you get five plate appearances to have a hit streak. But uh, he's been breaking. Uh, he started out double-A Amarillo. He got promoted up to triple-A Reno. Uh, he is hitting really well coming back from a down year last year. Uh, kind of puts him on the map as maybe getting a major league opportunity at some point. So, you know, my question in regard to, to to Fletcher, uh, who by the way he's the younger brother of David Fletcher, I believe. Is that that right? That is correct. Yeah, um, but yeah, a little bit bit of a different profile. And my my question is obviously he's showing they doesn't have a whole lot left to prove uh, in the minor leagues. But what is what is the path for him in terms of uh, playing time there? Because I, I would think that uh, it know, is it yeah. is not set up. Despite him hitting super well, is not set up very well for him. Uh, the Diamondbacks have a glut of left-handed hitting outfielders, young ones. They've got a, a, an old one in David Peralta, who's having a solid year so far. and seems, you know, he's a pretty integral part of, of the clubhouse. Uh, then they've got Alec Thomas, who's already up there and playing really well. They've got Jake McCarthy, who's serving as kind of the fourth outfielders, who hit really well after being sent down earlier in the year. they got Paven Smith, who is hitting pretty well, had a big homer yesterday, playing a lot of right field. All those guys are left-handed. Uh, I'm not sure where you squeeze one more of those guys on the roster. And you also have to, you know, eventually uh, Carson Kelly's going to be back in catching, and that might mean more of Dalton Varsho in the outfielder, another left-handed hitter. Um, so I'm just not sure how that all stacks up for a guy like Dominic Fletcher, where he squeezes in there. Who's, who's, who is he taking a bats away from? All those guys are going pretty well. Yeah, the the only path I can really see is maybe uh, when Kelly comes back, that maybe he just catches less, and and you got Varsho uh, maybe catching more, and and maybe McCarthy losing some at bats. But that, I don't know, that seems like a pretty tenuous path. Yeah, I think the difference between Fletcher and McCarthy is McCarthy can play center field. 
Um, and I think that's that's a, kind of a notable skill set that he has. He's a really good center fielder, as is Alec Thomas. And so if you're looking at kind of the corners, you've got a, an established veteran and David Peralta who's not coming out of the game uh, against right-handed pitching. And then on the other side, Paven Smith is pretty much an everyday guy now. Maybe you can squeeze someone else out there when he relieves uh, Christian Walker at first base. But even then, you've got Cooper Hummel, who's playing some left field, uh, and is a switch hitter. You've got Jordan Luplo, who plays some right field against lefties. He's done really well. He's a right-handed hitter. It, the Barnes is pretty full, I think, at this point. Yeah, no, I, that is that is my concern, and I think you've just you sort of validated my my worries about uh, going after Fletcher even in in NL only leagues. But yeah, given how red hot he's been, and you know he, he ends that streak, and then he comes back almost hitting for the cycle and getting four hits in the game on Sunday. So uh, he's obviously not cooling off, and I just don't know what the Diamondbacks do with him. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe a next year problem. You know, this is David Peralta's <laughs> last year in the contract. So yeah. uh, you know, jumping to you know up from the double A to the majors, like not a lot of guys do that. It should be considered a good year if he finishes a triple A, but the way he's going, you know, you'd like to give, give him a run, but it's just hard to, to say, okay, I'm going to do it at the expense of all these other guys. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Hey Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct TV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream direct TV over the internet now. Oh sure, next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream direct TV without a satellite dish. Visit directtv.com. High speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Some trending players, a guy who's not blocked at all, or at least shouldn't be, Vinny Pasquantino, uh, who has been raking. He has 14 home runs at AAA, and then he plays first base. You look at who's playing first base in Kansas City. It's Carlos Santana. How is he hitting? Not well at all. The Royals are terrible. Why is this guy not in the majors? I'm sure that's what everybody who has him on their fantasy roster is wondering. Yeah, it is. <laughs> And even those of us who don't don't have Pasquantino anywhere, I mean, it, it is. And there's always, you know, at least a handful of players every year where it just seems like it's an eternity before they they get called up. Maybe it's you know less so now that uh, you know with the the restructuring of the CBA and there there seems to be less roster manipulation or, or rather um, uh, service time manipulation going on that uh, it's been less of an issue. But Pasquantino, yeah, he's still he's still out there. You know, apparently going into the month of June still raking in triple a. So I don't know what the holdup is, but it's hard to see how he could be down much longer. So I think he definitely is in that category of players that uh, you have to stash right now, because even though it seems like he's going to be in triple a forever, forever, uh, it seems very unlikely that he would be. And uh, you, you want to be able to add him to your roster before uh, the, the news comes out that a, a call up is imminent or that it's already happened. And then, you know, everybody's spending, with every last penny left of their, their fad budget to try to add him. Yeah. Do you think he's set up well for success once he hits the majors just based off of his miling numbers? I think so. I mean, there's, there's just an awful lot to like there. Uh, a lot of power uh, and, you know, it doesn't come at the expense uh, necessarily a batting average either. So uh, again, it's always hard to tell exactly who's going to be ready. And, uh, you know, I certainly was convinced that, you know, Jose Miranda was going to be, you know, a lot better than he was just you know one example uh 
you know, a lot of players who have struggled uh, coming right away. But, I mean, Pasquantino's just been really consistent at each level, not strike out, striking out a lot, hitting for average, hitting for a lot of power, and, in fact, hitting for more power in AAA than, than at the lower levels. Uh, so even as he's climbing the ladder, um, he's not slowing down. In fact, he's speeding up. So I take those as all really good signs. And then Brian Bayo, the, one of the Red Sox top prospects, he's, he's in AAA now. He's... Uh, Pitched, I, I guess, what three three starts? I think is the three eighteen ERA. Um, it's probably not enough there to to bring him up to Boston right now. Um, but it, it seems like a guy that you know you could be looking at later in the season, right? In the in the big league rotation. I I think so. Uh, I don't feel compelled to be trying to add him in fantasy right now. Mostly, and we've talked about this on some previous episodes, just because of um, trying to find that path where uh, you know he'd, he'd force the issue and then there's just an obvious place to get him into the Red Sox rotation. Maybe they go to a six-man rotation. That might actually be the the most believable path, uh, but... You know, it's not as if, um, you know, Michael Walker, Rich Hill, uh, that, you know, you could absolutely just see them hold a, a rotation spot for six months. I think even Nick Pavetta potentially uh, sees somebody who's very widely rostered right now. But, I mean, I could see him being vulnerable at some point. So, uh, yeah, I don't know when Bayo comes up. It's just a matter of time. But I do think that, you know, we as fantasy managers have some time to uh, to wait and to roster him. And then uh, here's a guy that should start a text thread with Vinny Pasquantino, uh, Grayson Rodriguez. But both these guys wondering, why am I not in the majors? Um, I, I know that the Orioles have tried to build him up slowly, right? He's, he's, he's pitched 13 innings over his last two starts, so that's a good sign. But uh, I know that I think Dan Connolly, even with us, has written that uh, the, the front office is playing it very careful with him. Um, which is too bad for all of us who like would like to watch him pitch or have us on have him on our fantasy teams because he's been awesome. Two three two ERA, seventy six strikeouts against fourteen walks and fifty innings. Man, it's just bananas. Um, so I mean, do you? This it seems like this this guy should be more imminent to arrive than Bale, right? I would think so. I mean, first of all, there's much a much clearer path to a rotation spot in the Orioles rotation than there would be in the Red Sox rotation. Uh, so yeah, Kyle Brandish hasn't, hasn't been all that, uh, all that effective. So, I mean, maybe he gets sent down, but that wouldn't necessarily have to be the case. You could see, well, Tyler Wells is coming off of a very good start, but uh, you know, you could certainly see somewhere a space uh, for, for Rodriguez in the Orioles rotation. I don't think that's anything that anybody's really staying up nights worrying about. And yeah, you alluded to the, um, you know, how deep into games that Rodriguez is going. And for his uh, first, uh, actually uh, seven, I'm sorry, eight starts, uh, not going six innings in any of them, usually going in the neighborhood of, you know, four or so. Uh, but yeah, six in the second to most recent start, seven in the last one. Maybe it's just wishful thinking on my part, Zach, but I got it. You know, to me, that's a sign <laughs> that uh, the Orioles mean business with Grayson Rodriguez. And, and this has got to be happening soon, I would think. Yeah, Baltimore fans deserve it. That's for sure. Um, so, okay, so our level roundup today we're we're looking at Double A hitters and pitchers that are interesting. Uh, I find Double A to be like the most interesting level. Uh, you look at Triple A rosters now; it's just filled with a bunch of guys who've been around, bounced up and down between the majors. Double A is where the prospects are, and they're close enough to where you can kind of really see kind of their major league arrival down the road. That they, they, they look real, like they're becoming real major league players. Um, although this first guy I hadn't really heard of, and I I go through 
every, you know, every two weeks when it's my turn to do our minor league notebook, I go through every system in baseball, just kind of clicking around on baseball reference, seeing what's interesting. And I am amazed that I missed that Asturi Ruiz with the Padres had stolen 33 bases. That is bananas. <laughs> I, how did I miss that? Um, that guy seems super interesting. Yeah, really. It's, it's almost, it almost defies belief. Uh, and especially because it's not just 33 stolen bases in 45 games with you know, one home run and a 250 average. I mean, this is somebody who's just lighting up uh, the stat page uh, in, in every column. Uh, he's got eight home runs. He's only striking out 17.8% of the time. He's practically doubled his walk rate from a year ago when he uh, was in double A for the first time. So uh, it just it's just a breakout season in his uh, second double A campaign in the Padres system. So I, I don't know what to make of it because again, it is 45 games and Previously, Ruiz wasn't really that high on prospect list because the strikeout rate was just high enough that it made him a little suspect. There wasn't that much, that much power. And then the steals. I, I mean, he's stolen a lot of bases every year, but it's just, you know, it's video game numbers. It's, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know how true. to wrap my, wrap my head around 33 steals in, in, in 45 games. And so the, again, the first yeah. thing I thought about with the steals was this year in double A, maybe throughout all the minors, I'm not sure. Um, they adopted the rule that they had in one of the A, a ball levels last year about only two pickoff throws per plate appearance. And if you have a third, it's a balk. So if you pick over twice, suddenly that guy's got free reign to go. Um, and I, my initial thought was like, oh, that's got to be a product of that rule. But then he was at double A last year when, when they didn't have that rule and he stole a ton of bases then. So that seems like it's legit. <laughs> I suppose. I mean, there may be something to that because, yeah, that first go around to double A, 36 steals, but at 84 uh, games, so almost double the games and almost exactly the same number of steals. But I mean, look, if he had half the steals now, if he was coming in with 17 steals uh, with the rest of that stat line, it would still be pretty exciting. But 33 steals is like you said, it's just bananas. And I don't really expect that kind of rate to translate anywhere. But, it, you know whatever regression comes as he moves up the ladder, uh, this is suddenly a, a super exciting prospect. Yeah. And it's hard to handicap this, but you know, in the new CBA, the the commissioner has the ability to institute a lot of these rule changes on his own. I think it was like 45 days notice, which just means he'll do it over the off season. So maybe that pickoff rule will come to the majors next year. Who knows? And suddenly a guy like that is, you know, he's like a 70, 80 steel player. Um, that, I don't know how you handicap that as a fantasy manager if you're if you're looking to got at guys to stash or maybe draft for next season but that's at least something to think about um this next guy i know very well i did a big story on him uh i've covered him for a long time corbin carroll with the dimebacks i'm a huge believer in this guy uh amazing player he's like you know five foot ten 180 pounds he already has 12 home runs he's impossible to strike out it seems like he's stolen 15 bags uh, ironically, he's the, the only of the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks used to have several prospects at AA Amarillo in the outfield. Um, Corbin Carroll was always the best of the bunch, and the other ones have all been promoted, and he's still there at AA. But he's coming off uh, missing almost all of last year with shoulder surgery. It doesn't seem to have affected him too much, but he, he can't be long for the AA level at this point, right? I would agree with that. And, you know, like you said, the Diamondbacks just have lots of uh, good young outfielders. But, you know, this is one that you figure that they will make room for at some point. I don't know that's necessarily any time this year. You, I would uh, defer to you on that. But, uh, you know, if not this year, certainly next year will uh, be a, a big deal in fantasy. I could see if, if he gets to AAA, and I can't imagine 
what purpose is being served by keeping him a double A right now uh, after he's raked for two months. Um, if he gets to triple A, I could see him coming up at the end of the year. Um, but you know, the, the kind of the, like we talked about with Dom Fletcher, the, the, the roster dominoes that have to line up correctly. Um, they have to be an opportunity somewhere. The, unlike Fletcher, I don't think he's a guy that, you know, Fletcher's kind of blocked and he's not the type of prospect that you move someone out of the way for. I think Corbin Carroll is that type of prospect. So that, that might be the difference, but by next year, certainly he's a big leader at some point. Um, all right, let's run through a few more of these guys. That, these next two guys that I knew from the fall league that were really big performers, scouts really liked a lot. Ezekiel Tovar, shortstop with the Rockies, and Logan Ohapi, who has continued to kind of rake after performing really well in the fall uh, with the Phillies. Um, both very exciting prospects who maybe started out as kind of lesser-known prospects, I feel like. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about both of them, too. I mean, Tovar putting up really great numbers as a 20-year-old at AA, power and speed, 10 homers, 16 steals in the Colorado system. So, uh, you know, I'm certainly excited to see how that skill set would play out uh, with Coors Field as a, as a home backdrop. And uh, Ohapi uh, hitting for average 300, a few steals. Eight home runs, and I'm I'm. This is something I always check with any Phillies prospect at Double A Reading is what are the home road splits? Uh, it comes up pretty much any time we talk about a, a Phillies prospect, and I'm always a little bit skeptical to see. Well, how is that going to play at Lehigh Valley, and how is that going to play in Philadelphia? Well, Ohapi, he's got the eight home runs. Only two have come at Reading, which is just a notorious home run ballpark. So that's that's a terrific sign, and apparently the, he's expected that he's going to stay behind the plate. I don't know if he moves real Muto. I don't really don't know how that works, but um, in whatever role he's in, I mean, as long as he catches enough to have catcher eligibility, I think this is an exciting prospect. Yeah. I think scouts like him defensively a lot. They think he does a lot of good things there. Um, and I, I think it's been talked about like the eventual plan with real Muto is he, he moves to first base, right. Or, or DH is more. Now the rock, the, the Phillies, created like the worst roster to allow him to do that eventually. <laughs> but uh, that would seem to make the most sense and, and get the better, younger defender, fresher defender back there, get the both in the lineup. All right, we got a run of infielders here. Uh, notable, very notable infielders, a lot of them. Uh, Gunnar Henderson with the Orioles, Aurelvis Martinez with the Blue Jays, Leover Peguero, former Diamondbacks prospect, now with the Pirates, Matt McLean, first-round pick of the Reds last year, and Lennon Sosa with the White Sox. Yeah, really interesting group. Henderson, by the way, I could have we could have easily talked about as a, a trending player because he is getting picked up in leagues. Uh, I don't know if it's just on the virtue of the good numbers he's putting up as a 20-year-old in AA, but uh, 287, seven homers, 12 steals, uh, low strikeout rate. So obviously there's a ton to like like there. Uh, Piguero, uh having a, having a nice season, a little bit more power this year to go with 11 steals. Um, so they're, they're, they're pretty intriguing. Now you mentioned, uh, Martinez and McLean, they both are striking out a lot, but Martinez in particular, I find just interesting. I don't know if he's going to be, be good as he gets up to triple a or, or the majors, but he's hitting only 218. but he has 14 home runs already 20 years old. So young for the level and just ridiculously high fly ball rates. So definitely an all or nothing type hitter that could be really fun at the major league level. I just don't know if, if there's enough there besides the power and the approach to actually get him to the majors. Yeah, McLean, I was very surprised to see him striking out 32% of the time. Uh, I wrote a story about him uh, when he got drafted 
because uh, he, he was the, like the rare first rounder who uh, goes drafting the first round at a high school and turned down the money, turned down like $3 million to go to school. And it paid off because he did go higher um, three years later out of UCLA. But he had this reputation of being like a really advanced hitter. You know, there's some question about his defensive home, like whether he's a second baseman or a shortstop. But uh, I wouldn't have ever guessed he was a guy that was going to get to strike out 32% of the time. That's wild. Yeah, it's you know strange to see uh, you know what happens when they advance uh, to to levels uh, you know just sort of like the flip of Pagera where he he's really cut down the strikeouts as he's moved up and that's probably the rarer thing to accomplish. And then lastly of our of our hitters here, Jordan Diaz, who was one of the first players in minor league baseball I know to strike out on uh, a pitch clock violation. <laughs> I saw that, but uh, he's having a nice little season for for the A's at Double A. Yeah, yeah, a uh, good contact hitter who's just uh, hitting with a bit more power so far this year. So that's you know that's a, a really encouraging development. And I was not aware of that little that little bit of trivia. So I'm yeah, if I'm not, glad if he just that gotten mind. in the box a little more quickly, that thirteen point six strikeout rate would be even lower. How great is that? <laughs> so just get in the box, Jordan. Come on. Uh, and then we we got some arms here. So I'll just run through all these at once. Uh, Yuri Perez, nineteen years old in Double A, having a nice year. We got Reese Olson. With the Tigers, Taj Bradley, one of the top pro- uh, prospects for the Rays, uh, uh, yet another with the Rays. Mike Burrows with the uh, with the Pirates, they could really use some nice pitching. And Levi Stout with the Mariners, all having intriguing seasons at the AA level. Yeah, I mean, all these uh, guys are interesting. I mean, Perez, just by virtue of the fact that he's doing what he's doing at the age of 19 in A, has a 371 ERA that's really uh, uh, just a product of a a low strand rate, um, as you would guess, for somebody who's got 50 strikeouts and nine walks in 34 innings. Uh, you have to wonder when when he'll move up, uh, but, uh, you know, obviously uh, doing some great things there. Olsen, we've talked about within the last few weeks on this podcast, probably the last time we did a double-A roundup, and just another Tigers pitching prospect who's really uh, making a case for himself. And it has actually been even better since the last time that we talked about him, his last three starts, he's just given up one run, 29 strikeouts, four walks and 14 and two thirds innings. So got to think he's moving up soon. And like you said, Bradley, just another great race pitching prospect burrows in a system where, you know, maybe there's more opportunity than some of these other guys and Levi Stout, not probably the least impressive numbers out of this group, but he was under consideration for being called up when Matt Brash got sent down. Of course it was George Kirby that, that came up, but uh, you have to think that Stout is then the next in line. So particularly in AL only, just something to uh, to keep tabs on there. Yeah, well, all very good stuff. This is going to help fantasy managers everywhere, I'm sure. And uh, hopefully they haven't realized that I'm an idiot that nobody's talking about. But Al, you definitely do know what you're talking about. I appreciate you carrying me on this as I'm filling in for DVR. Um, but that's our show. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, Under the Radar will be out on Wednesday, so tune back in for that. 